Hi, welcome to the Chasing Brighter podcast with your hosts, Kelly and Jessica. Join us on our journey to find the best versions of ourselves. I'm very excited about how my hair looks great. You know what else makes your hair look great, Jess? Washing it. (laughs) The um, Warrior Strong Wellness Collagen Peptides and Bone Broth. I've noticed a huge difference with just the health of my hair. I just have naturally thin hair. Collagen is so good for hair, nails, skin. Check out warriorstrongwellness.com for their collagen peptides and bone broth or their multi-collagen protein powder. If you use the Chasing Brighter code, all one word, Chasing Brighter, you can get 10% off of your purchase. We are so excited today to have Megan Sumrall with us. She is a former corporate executive turned entrepreneur. As a time management expert for women seeking work-life harmony, Megan teaches specific strategies to help women get on top of their time, calendar, and goals while getting rid of stress, overwhelm, and exhaustion. She has her own blog and podcast, Work Life Harmony, as well as a regular contributor to magazines and other media, including the Today Show. We're so excited to have you today, Megan. Welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Like this was just the right time to be talking to you with back to school happening. And um, I think as busy moms, it feels like it's some of the more stressful parts of the year is right when school gets started. So um, I think we wanted to start with just, you know, hearing a little bit about your background and how you came to Work Life Harmony. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, I, I, when asked in third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? I didn't go, oh, I want to go help people manage their time. <laughs> um, it kind of happened through through an, my own personal need that I think a lot of moms can relate to. Um, I had spent you know over 20 years in the corporate world um, in the software space and had really spent the last portion of my career where my job, and I promise this is relevant to to this question, um, but I'd spent the last part of my career where I would go into software teams and basically help them reframe all of their processes to do things better, faster, cheaper. So I have all sorts of really nerdy, geeky certifications around process improvement, productivity, streamlining, all of that. And kind of met my husband later in life, started a family later in life, and was juggling this this career in motherhood from the outside looking in, was juggling it pretty well. On the inside, not so much. Uh, and I had this very pivotal day when my daughter was about two and a half. I had done what I thought, you know, everything right, laid out the snack bag, I mean, the freaking snacks the night before, that, you know, done everything to slip out work early and go spend Friday afternoon at the park. And the woman next to me, as we're pushing our kids on the swing, just innocently says, so what do you do for fun? And it like rocked me to my core because I didn't have an answer. I didn't even know that my life had gotten to the point that I couldn't answer a simple question about what I do for fun because I couldn't remember the last time I hadn't done anything that wasn't on my list of things to do for the day, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm so thankful to this stranger. I wish I knew who she was because it really started a complete transformation of my life a little over 10 years ago. So I went home that night and, you know, hid in my closet to cry because where else are you going to cry as a mom and was laying in bed and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, Megan, this, this is what you do for a living. Like you go into places that are sheer chaos and you bring harmony into these environments. So why don't we take your life on as a client instead of these, these companies? So I kind of threw out all of the systems I'd been using for 20 years to plan and manage my time and just started with a clean slate. And months later, family and friends kind of started noticing I I looked different. People were like, oh, you've been going to the gym? I'm like, no, I'm just actually rested and happy. Uh, And so some friends started asking if I'd share what I was doing. And long story short, it led me to leave my entire corporate career behind and go 100% all in and taking this time management framework that I've built and bringing it to overwhelmed women everywhere. We all deserve to have an answer to the question, what do we do for fun? Absolutely. I love that. You know, Kelly and I, I feel like that's kind of, you know, the spark for Chasing Brighter because I think we lost ourselves. Like I totally lost myself. I don't even know who this 
like shell of a person was. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly and I were both were like going to therapy, reading books, like just going through and same thing. People are like, well, what are you doing? Like what's going on? And I felt like we kept you know, talk to people about all the things that we're doing to try to get a balance in our lives because I think it's so easy for us to lose ourselves. And then it's like, I hope for my kids, they don't wait till they're in their forties to yeah. like figure it all out. But it's like, you know, you can do that now and not, you know, not kind of just be swallowed up by all these to do's. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. And I love that you went all in on yourself too. You know, well, and I think it's so we can get so caught up in, especially as moms, like being in service to others that sometimes we don't even realize that a lot of the knowledge, tools, skills, et cetera, that we have, we can actually turn around to help ourselves, but we don't ever even take a minute to think about it because we're so busy supporting, helping, doing all what I call like COO householding all, all day long. Um, the fact that I I could walk into any company and clearly see where there is disarray, yet I had been walking around for years without any recognition that the, all the same stuff that people paid me to fix was going on inside of my own life. Because we're just so busy being busy, we don't even have a minute to look at it. Mm, yeah. And I think, we, you know, we talk a lot I mean, the way that we were kind of raised was um, self-care was selfish. Like you're kind of being selfish okay. if you and even I tell Kelly because Kelly has been much better at, at putting herself first. No, at putting herself first. And I yeah. would have thoughts in my mind um, about her being selfish. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you yeah, know we I mean? never think someone else and is. Then, we just right, think and then, Right. And then meanwhile, yeah. I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> not doing anything right. So I'm like, maybe Kelly's onto something. Maybe I need to carve out time for myself and, you know, make sure I get sleep and treat myself the way I've been treating everybody else in my life, you know? Well, it doesn't help when you look at, you know, so much of uh, social media or ad even ads on TV or whatever of what, you know, a quote, good mom or motherhood looks like. It's always images of somebody doing something for somebody else. Yeah, they're never showing images of what we do for ourselves in that stage of life. And so it's just it self perpetuates a little bit You're like, Oh, I guess I got to do that. I guess I got to do that next. Um, and I'm happy to see that I, I think there's a lot of people out there today suddenly realizing this and going, hang on, like, we need to change the dialogue here of what being a good mom actually looks like. And it isn't all about doing for everybody else. And so how, like in terms of your um, clients and, and coaching um, busy people um, in terms of kind of getting a little bit more control of their lives, like how one of the things I feel like is a challenge is choice, right? Like you can't do everything to what you're saying. Um, everything is always there's always stuff to do. So in terms of You're never going to run out of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So what are some, like, how do you talk to your clients about that? Yeah. So one of the things that I think a good analogy with this, and then I'll kind of share a place where I like everybody to start to really get back in control of their time is, you know, if I were to give you a list of things to go buy at the store and it had like, you know, 25 things on there. And then I just put some money in an envelope and I sealed the envelope. You didn't know what was in there. And I just said, hey, go get this stuff at the store. You would go down the list, throw the stuff in your cart, right? Get to the checkout and maybe they ring it up and tell you, oh, it's a hundred dollars worth of groceries. Then you go and open that envelope and you see you've only got $50 in there. Well, the woman at the register isn't going to be like, oh, go ahead. Like, you're good. Just take it. And be like, no, you got it. You can't take all of this. You have to put some stuff back. And when I when I give that analogy, people are like, well, why would I ever go to the store without knowing how much money I had? Right. But this is how most people are operating their time mm -hmm. day to day. They wake up and people are teaching this wake up in the morning, brain dump, write down everything on your mind that needs to get done for the day. And then, God forbid, circle the top three, whatever the hell that is. I could go off on a tangent and <laughs> why I don't like that very much either. But never in that process is anyone saying, hang on, pause. Let's look at the realities of your life today. Let's look at everything you have going on. And let's go back and look at that list and really ask, what on here is a have to today 
And then how long do all of these things take? Is it even feasibly possible for you to get all of this stuff done, even if you didn't sleep? Nine times out of 10, the answer is no. So then we go to bed at night feeling like we failed because there's still a bunch of stuff on the list, right? Only to wake up and do the exact same thing tomorrow, recopying half of yesterday's list onto today's and then adding to Mm -hmm. it. And then we wonder what's wrong with us or why, you know, I'm just not organized enough. I'm not this. No, the fact is you are trying to buy $100 of groceries with a $50 bill. It can't be done. But because we don't see the realities of that so clearly, it is hard to make choices because we subconsciously keep thinking, I can squeeze it in. Or if I just figure, you know, there's got to be a way if I could just multitask or whatever. So this is why I like to start everybody with this concept of creating stop doing your daily list making and instead start creating plans for your week. Um, And so I like to do mine on Sundays. It doesn't have to be done on a Sunday. Uh, Some people do it Friday, some, you know, Saturday, whatever, but we actually take time when we are in a stress-free part, like Sunday afternoons are usually pretty relaxed around our house. Mm -hmm. And that's when I can sit down and look at what are all the realities for my week What is everything that's competing for my time this week? And now let me figure out what can realistically happen. And so when we can take a step back and look at these long, larger chunks of time, that's where we can start to maximize efficiencies. Like, oh, I, I realize there's four errands that need to happen this week. Well, what if I waited and on Wednesday left my house once and did all four of them together instead of, you know, panicking and doing one each day or seeing a group of tasks that if you sat down and did them all together at once could probably be done in half the time. Now, there's there's a kind of five step basic weekly planning process that I like to teach people to help them get started. Um, and I want to share one of the steps that is is very unique that most people don't think about when planning their week. So I always start everybody off with what did, what did you already commit to? And most of us already have this on a calendar somewhere. These are those you know, dentist appointments, soccer practice, meetings, phone calls, appointments where usually it involves somebody else, right? And then they just start jamming in their calendar with everything else. Mm-hmm. But the second step of this is really, and this really hits moms a lot as well, is really understanding how much of your day is already spoken for in what I call just like busy being busy time. And so for me, and this never shows up on people's calendars. So for me that, you know, I get up very early in the morning, but up until 830 in the morning, like I know nothing on my list for the day could possibly be getting done because I'm waking people up, packing lunches, cooking breakfast, walking the dog, getting cleaned up, right? I'm in motion. Things are happening but I can't be working on the traditional to-do list. And then in the school year, same is true at about two o'clock, like transitioning to picking up from school, homework, God forbid, what's for dinner, you know, all that stuff. Well, that never shows up on your calendar. So what happens is you would look at maybe your Monday and you'd go, oh, look, I have like two appointments. I'm going to get so much done today. But by just layering in, no, when is my time like in busy being busy mode? Oftentimes by just layering that in on people's calendars, they have this awareness of like, oh my gosh, that's like five or six hours of my day that looks like I'm going to be, you know, quote, productive, but I'm not. I'm in service to others. I'm doing something else. And so the whole point of this weekly planning process is to really help us understand how much money is in that envelope? How much time do I really have? And so when we see the realities of that with the list of everything that's competing for it, that is what helps us start to make really good choices because we're no longer tricking our brain, trying to trick it by saying, no, we've got time. Yeah, we can get it done, right? I mean, it's a kind of a morbid way to think about it, but it's kind of like when everyone goes, oh, what are the most valuable, you know, if your house was burning down, what would you want to save? Well, I can think of 50 million things, but if it were honestly on fire and they let me come in and and get one handful of stuff, I'd have to pick something, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to realize when push comes to shove, we can let some stuff go, 
but we are so reluctant to because we think we have more time than we do. Well, and that was going to be my question too, like just letting go of some things yeah. that just you're not, you're you just know, not do um, it. yeah. It's and, and, and is it really important to you or are you just doing it because you think you should do it or you know what I mean? Like what I remember Kelly years ago, you were like, you were like, I'm not a clean person. I don't really care. You know, like you, you had this like tangent about like, that doesn't bother me if things are on the counter. I don't really care about it. And it was like yeah, a light bulb for, moment it, for me of just being like, if you don't care, what are you put, spending an hour a day doing it for? You know, putting pressure on yourself about something like to what you're saying, Megan, like we're setting ourselves up for failure. And then you layer on these like internal expectations that you have of yourself that you're not even getting to. Yep. Right. That you yep. feel like you're supposed to because somewhere in your mind, you think that you're supposed to be doing those things. Or it could even be just you don't even realize it comes from like a, a childhood thing that that you had done. So, I mean, like for me, years ago, like growing up Monday in our household, when we were kids was when my mom would change the linens on our bed. So it was always like the day we didn't have to make our beds. Monday was sheet changing day and we all had to strip our sheets. I grew up that way. So as a single woman, Monday, I mean, I just, I, it's what I was used to, right? Well, suddenly fast forward to, you know, work, family, motherhood, all of that. And I started dreading Monday mornings. I'm like, oh God, I can do the sheets. And all of a sudden it hit me one day. I'm like, says who? Like, why am I stressing myself out to do this on a Monday when Sunday, <laughs> Sunday is super easy because then I can, everybody can do their own and we can all pitch in, but we have these silly things that just happen because it was a habit that we never take a step back and look at and go, why am I like, why am I doing this? And do I have to, and does it need to look this way anymore? Yeah. And I was just talking, I don't know, sometimes, so I'm a mental health therapist, right? So I help people with some of, you know, some of this stuff a little bit. And I'm like, okay, is Megan going to hate my advice or is she going to be okay? But one of the, one of the things, um, that I encourage anybody with children to do is outsource some of that stuff to your kids. Oh, yes. My kids went to Montessori and when my daughter, when we went to like the parent teacher conference, they were like, she spends most of her morning shining shoes and folding clothes. And I was like, she can fold clothes. And I remember just oh, dumping the clothes, you know, on the floor and having her fold. And I also think we're doing a disservice to our children when we're not teaching them these skills to be independent. Yeah. So like to having them unload the dishwasher has been like life changing for me. Like that's a chore I hate. And so kind of having them do some stuff and knowing that even at two and three, they can actually do those things, I think is something that was helpful for me. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of the things I always encourage people to do with that same line is, you know, I, I am certainly one that will be the fall guilty of the, oh, it's just faster if I do it. Right. I mean, we all have gone through there. Well, I'll, I'll eventually get to a point usually where I, I'm about to snap when I all of a sudden feel like, okay, I feel like I'm carrying more than what feels like a comparable load here in the house. And so my knee jerk reaction was always go until I broke and then blow up. Right. And then I've lost it to the whole family and I'm losing my mind and then nothing productive happens. So instead we now once a quarter sit down and very, when no one's, you know, I'm not in a place where I'm snapping and we just do a recap of writing down and it's the data talking. So emotions out of it. Okay. What is everything that we agree as a family needs to happen to keep our family running inside and out like all the stuff right from mowing the lawn to doing the laundry to grocery shopping meal planning what are all the things that we all agree happen and sometimes someone will throw something out on the list and the other two are like i don't care about that but we get it all out there then we go one step further to say okay what do what do we agree is still important enough here to keep on this list? Then we'll go back down and say, okay, who's currently doing this? And nine times out of 10, the data itself shows that there's an unequalable load and that a lot of things kind of slide back onto mine, but now it's a non-emotional conversation. So then we can all look at it and I can be like, well, this doesn't seem super, you know, fair. <laughs> and everyone go, okay. So now we get to say, well, what, what are we collectively going to do about it? And what's been great is turns out things I hate doing. My husband's kind of like, I don't mind unloading the dishwasher. Like you, I'm like, I hate it. Yeah. So now he's like, well, I'll do that. And then my daughter, well, she doesn't like doing any of it, but she can at least say, well, I can do that. I'm like, okay, great. 
And so now we we all kind of get to self-select some stuff mm-hmm. and then reshuffle every now and again. And it's been interesting to find out like what one person really dislikes versus somebody else and things I don't mind that other people do. Um, but it's been a very non-emotional, I don't know, non-naggy way to try and keep equal responsibility in the house. And then that's how we as a family ended up with all the cleaning. Um, finally, after a couple months of them doing bathrooms and all of that, because the person like, oh, we can't afford that. Well, in one of our family meetings, everyone's like, I hate it. So then we said, well, then what can we do? What can we stop doing financially to create the space to get some help there? Yeah. So we all agreed we were going to go out to eat like we weren't going to go out two nights a week anymore and instead hire a cleaning company. But it was a family decision. Yeah. And so it feels really good. I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. I did that more passive aggressively because my. Oh, I did that son, for years. Well, my but my son is like we do everything you don't do anything you know and they have like four chores a day right so one day I just listed out every single thing I did that day and then I put like plus six hours of work you know what I mean and my Mm -hmm. son was like what's that and I was like well that's just everything I did today just so we know and he was like okay and since then he has not said one word about like I do everything kind of thing but it was like let's get some perspective on the the workload here (laughs) I like that too because I'm wondering if things get kind of boring for certain certain kids or certain pet person even adults like certain personality types where maybe even reassessing how it's going instead of always being you know relegated to certain tasks yeah yeah and i think the other part of that that because i'll talk to a lot of women and they're like oh well i get help around the house but when we dig into it it's this subtle difference of like delegating versus true transfer of ownership mm. because a lot of times he will be like well no 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 you know i have i've i've asked my spouse to do this or my kids or that but then i'll say okay and then are you checking in with them and following up They're like well yeah i said then you really haven't taken anything off your list if you've asked someone to do something but then you're following up and then you're checking in and then you're making sure it's done right you have not lightened your load at all and that's when we feel like oh it's just easier if i just do it versus true transfer of ownership. Hey, I need you to book the tickets. I'm going to trust that they're going to get done and I'm out. And then, and it's hard, it's hard (laughs) um, to learn how to then let it go. And it means it may not be done the same way you would do it. It means the outcome might look a little bit different, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. And that you have to truly transfer ownership to get that mental load released a little bit. That is really powerful. I have not transferred ownership. I I'm haven't following in some up. And yeah. I, well, I was, I, I say all the time, my kids chores are the same all the time, but I write on a whiteboard and so then they, then that. they mark it off. But if it is not on the whiteboard, they will not do it. And um, so I have not transferred ownership. I love that. So I'm going to have to think of some strategies. I think, there. yeah, I think that's great because yeah. realistically, you shouldn't have to tell. I shouldn't have no. to tell them what to do. No, they should should not. Just- it's one thing when they're two and you're like yeah. teaching them how. Sure. Yeah. But then, and it it might mean there's some ugly. I mean, we've had some unfortunate, you know, outcomes from it. But then it always only ever happens once. Yeah. Right. Usually if it's a real, sometimes I'll see it happening. I'm like, I'm not going to step in here because then I I will continue to kind of behind the scenes own this until maybe the pain point's strong enough that, that they truly take full ownership. I need to increase the pain point. I stopped paying. I was giving like allowance and because I told them, I have to tell them and remind them I'm not giving them allowance because they're not doing it without me telling them. Yep. And I guess they don't care about money. So I'll have to find a different pay, different pain point for them. Cause well, it's trying to figure out, I think the hardest part about parenting is that motivation, you know, mm-hmm. how to motivate and like inspire them in some way without it being 
a, you know, passive aggressive or bribery or all the things that work really yeah, well. And I will tell you, motivation is not something that works with, with my daughter never has like the reward charts and all that they've never worked. Um, but I loved this difference that I was taught from another parenting, um, gal of this, cause we'd always call them chores. And for her, it was the shift in the family of it's not chores, it's contributions. Mm. What are all the contributions we collectively make. And so by just trying to remove that word from my vocabulary around the house, it's different. And so when I can say out loud, well, you know, your contribution for the day is X or your contribution this week is X. This is what my contribution is. It doesn't mean she's going to like it. She's not going to be excited about doing any of it, but it has almost changed this negative have to, to a, this is just how we all contribute. Um, so I certainly, if there is a secret to motivation and getting your kids excited about doing something, by all means, like tell me and whoever finds it, yeah. it's probably going to be a millionaire. Well, they're always changing um, the bar, right? Yeah. It's like that motivated this week, but that doesn't motivate this yeah, week. It totally but I like changes. contribution. I, I like really, that. Yeah. That's, that's been a big help in our house. Yeah. It's just kind of, and even last night after dinner, I was like, my husband went out to walk the dog. I went to the dishes and I look over as my daughter has the couch. I was like, well, you know, dad's contribution right now is the dog. I'm doing the dishes. What are, what can, what can you look around and see to contribute here for the next 10 minutes so we can all enjoy our evening together? Oh, well, I guess I could put these things away. I was like, Hey, that'd be great. And then where are you with like specific timing of things? So like, like when you say 10 minutes, right, it really is sometimes when we break that down, I think it makes it less overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're like, really, because um, if I read it somewhere or whatever, but like I was doing this thing, like, um, so we, we have an upstairs and that's, you know, we all go upstairs and then, you know, we don't go downstairs for the rest of the evening. So I'm like, before we go upstairs, I'll set a timer on the smart speaker for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, we're just doing this for 10 minutes. Everybody grab everything and put things where it goes. And it's like life-changing and it's 10 minutes. Um, A friend of mine who's a a kind of decluttering expert, a home organization decluttering expert, she calls them resets. Um, And so she's like, yeah, she has two resets a day. Like she does the kitchen reset right after lunch where it's just kind of like, okay, everything gets cleaned up and put back away. And then she does the post-dinner reset. And that's kind of what we do with that 10-minute window of like, okay, we're taking care of the dog, we're taking care of the dishes, and we're tidying up if we played games or whatever, we had all that out. Like it's just kind of a, hey, this is our our quick nighttime reset before we all get to chill out and relax for the rest of the evening. And when they're done on the daily like that, like you said, it's five, 10 minutes tops and it just keeps it to avoid that whole breaking point where we look around and we're just like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. this is going to take way too long. Yeah. And with yeah. kids, that's so much easier. Five minutes, they can do that. Yeah. So here's my, so, so you talk about the overwhelm. So here's something interesting. And I know I clearly haven't transferred ownership. So here's, so, so I was very sick um, and um, not doing my things. And so now that I'm well, I'm out and about in our home and it's like clutter, right? Because I was not the one being the taskmaster. It was like, we've been traveling. So the suitcases were still out. Packages were in the front room. Toys were on the counter. Um, I felt good just putting it away because I was like, oh, I feel so healthy now. I can do my little things. Um, but I'm I'm going to say that's bad, right? Or because well, I, mean, if I don't I'm think not it's, it's either it, good nor bad. <laughs> it's more of a, if this were to happen again in the future, would you want to see it play out the same way yeah. or not? You know, because sometimes the answer is, yeah. Like there are certain things that I'm like, nope. If it were to happen again, I'd want it to happen the same way. It's something that matters that much to me that I'm fine with. It. It's an intentional choice that I want to spend my time here doing that. So it's neither good or bad. It's just is is this causing resent? You know, for me, I'm always like, am I getting resentful over this? And if yeah. so, now I know that this is something I need to talk about. Versus, no, I'm not getting resentful over this at all. So I'm going to be fine with it. I like that. Too. You know, one of the things, this is all amazing. And it got me thinking, Jesse, what you were saying is, <clears throat> I think for, for one of the things too, is making your household um, have the desire to have a, have the same type of 
living environment you want, like a clean house, like having a clean house, having, not having a lot of clutter, um, and being aware, even if I have, you know, kids who don't pick up after themselves a lot, but recognize when things are clean and how that makes them feel like when things, everything has its place and it's just cleaned and organized and having an appreciation for that. Cause I don't know if I was a kid, like, I, I feel like just, we were, it was like chaos a lot. We were always on the go growing up and, um, our parents both worked full time outside. Yeah. And I mean, I remember, like, I remember just, you know, there would just be no room on countertops in the kitchen for like days on end or like all these things that just give me, um, a panic attack thinking about that way now, but like I've been trying, I don't know if I was raised to like, I knew we had to clean, but it seemed like it was always a chore versus trying to think about it as like, this is a calming, peaceful feeling I have. And I want to keep my calming, peaceful feeling. And I, but want it my- feels like a chore when it gets like really out of control. Yeah. Right? And I think one of the things like when it comes to having a tidy home is people don't realize that learning how to organize and clean and put things away is something that needs to be taught. Um, I think people fall in the trap of thinking you're just born that way or you're not like, oh, I was just born a type A person. Um, I was like full on borderline hoarder as a young child. And thankfully, I had a mom that knew how to teach organization. And my dad was in the military, so we moved a lot. We did not have the luxury of <laughs> collecting things, right? Because we'd have to pay to move them. Um, but I look back and think, wow, if, if I didn't have a mom that knew how to sit down and teach me the process of how to organize my things, how to put stuff away, I would have been an absolute disaster on my own. And so I think that, um, and I didn't realize I'd been taught that until much later when I was like, oh, why can't my kid? And all of a sudden I looked back and I was like, oh, I have memories of mom sitting down and teaching me these skills going into my three-year-old and going clean your room is like speaking a foreign language. She's like, I don't even know what that means or where to start. And so I think we need to also recognize this. These are skills that if we want our children to have them, we have to like actually teach them what that looks like and how to do it. I think that's great. I believe I have a learning disability in this area and I don't, I don't know. Um, my husband is super clean and organized and very meticulous. And so I really kind of learned from him a little bit. And I, so what the way we grew up was it would be a complete shit show. And then every once in a while there would be this organization of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then that would be like, wow, that looks really great. And it would stay that way long enough. And then it would eventually come unwound or like, and that's because it's lacking, um, in order for any type of organization to work, whether it's physical, whether it's your calendar, like what I teach with how we plan and manage our time, mm -hmm. whether it's digital organization, how we organize our photos on our phone or whatever. If you don't have an underlying system yes. associated with it of how to maintain it, you're going to fall into exactly that. That's why I get so upset when I will see, you know, experts. I watched this whole video that this gal taught of how to organize your closet. And she gave you this whole system of how to like, how you pull everything out and how you assess it all and then how you put it all back in. And then it ended. And what she didn't teach you was what do you do daily, weekly, and monthly to maintain that beautiful mm -hmm. looking closet? So yeah. all that's going to happen is six months from now, you're going to open your closet. It's going to be a disaster and you're going to have to do that big, huge thing all over again. And so I always tell people whenever you're looking for advice or training or help from someone on managing any part of your life, whether it's your time, your physical stuff, whatever it is, ask them and make sure, hey, once you help get me there, do you teach me the system to make, like, talk to me about your system to maintain it. And if they're fumbling, they are not the person for you because mm. they're not going to equip you with the tools to maintain this thing. Yeah. And I think, um, one of the things I've been talking about for myself for 2023 is like minimizing. And I'm not saying I'm going to live in a tiny home, although Kelly knows I would in a minute. But we're a family of five. Van life. Though. Hashtag van life. I don't know how that would play out. <laughs> Hashtag hell no. <laughs> and so um, I think too, like just 
there's just stuff and stuff and stuff mm-hmm. and stuff and it's overwhelming and I've been following all these minimalistic people and it's like just when your eyes doesn't have you know doesn't see all the crap like it's interesting like they say you know don't don't have a lot of shelves or tops that you can just shove crap in and so that too is just I think also just kind of our culture of like getting things, getting things, getting things. And so trying to work on that. And I don't know where it came from or where it clicks for me, but I, um, I'm very much like everything has a place and we have systems and I'm like, you walk in the house and you put your shoes in your cup and you hang your bag up, you put your lunch away. And I'm like, and so my daughter's losing things like all the time. And I'm like, where does that go? You know, cause my, my almost 13 year old is like, he knows my systems and he's like, that was in my cubby. And I know where it is because this is where my things go. And so, you know, we have systems and, um, there was a woman out there. I, th- I don't know if she's still out there, but it was Clean Mama, and she oh, yeah, yeah. breaks things down. And there was used to be a free printable I'd give my clients because I was working at at one point with a lot of at home moms who are overwhelmed with the mental load, and it was like she had a list of just um, like every day you put everything in a catch all on all the counters, and then like I'm just making up a like Monday's laundry, Tuesday's the floor, Wednesday's the bathroom, and then Friday was like whatever was in the catch all put away. And it's like we talked about earlier, like when you break it down and you're like, oh, this is 20 minutes of my day, you know. But like you said, it has to start with like setting up the system in the first place. Like you can't start that if you can't see the floors in your house. But like it's just kind of having those systems. But I think so too. Like when you if if it's not um, something you care a lot about, I think that can be difficult. Like for you, yeah, Kelly, that's thing. Like, it doesn't matter uh, to you then yeah. you're never you're not going to be successful. Like yeah. you have to desire a different outcome to then find the system to produce that doing it just to do it, but don't bother. Yeah. I would like um, your spouse to drive that Kelly. I feel like, why is it on your shoulders? If you're saying your spouse is right. If you're saying he's super organized and all that stuff, I, you know, it's the feminist in me that wants your <laughs> man um, to take we, over and implement a he, system. He's very helpful and he's good about it. Um, sorry, digressing on that was since we have a new kitchen, he was like, there's one thing I'm willing to give you and we need to figure out where it goes. <laughs> it's a junk drawer. Um, I need a junk drawer. Everybody I need like, needs one. I need like a chaos piece. I need something because he, he's, very, he's very good at like everything has its place. And so to what you're saying, like he has a, his world thinks in systems and he's good about that. So, but coming back to even the time management, that's a lot of what you're talking about, right? In some ways we're talking about our schedules and the, how we spend our day is this chaos and unorganized and you're coming in, helping, um, figuring out a system, right. To kind of organize our time. And it's a system, not only to, I mean, there's, there's a lot of systems to controlling our calendar and our time. One tool is the weekly planning. And that's a very, step-by-step how we do it. Um, There's monthly planning. There's also then what is the system that happens when an emergency comes, right? The school calls, my kid is sick, and yet I was supposed to be doing this other thing for three hours. If you don't have the system in place to know how to handle a replan or a pivot or what I call pop-up tasks that come in that you didn't know were coming, all of those things, if, if you don't have the tools that start to become muscle memory for you, Mm -hmm. all it does is constantly stress you out. Um, And like anything, they take time to learn to where it becomes muscle memory and it Mm -hmm. becomes easier to do. But if you don't have the desire to change it, no system's going to ever work for you because it does take work. Like when I was finally figuring out a new system for managing my digital photos, it felt very heavy and very hard for the first month. Now it just happens on autopilot, but my desire to, to get there was strong enough to help me when it felt hard learning it. So, and I have, okay. So I have a question for you about planners. Yes. Now you have your own planner. I do. And I have seen you on social media talking about going to paper planners. And I went back to a paper planner in 2021. I have convinced Kelly to go to a paper planner. So it's I would love planner. to hear you explain, yes. like talk about your planner. Yes. And then also yes. why you think paper planners are, I mean, would you say a key or like, I don't know if you say it's a key, so, but I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. I am, I am never going to be someone that's going to say 
you have to use a paper or you have to be digital or it has to be this one specific planner. Yeah, yeah. So, and as someone who builds and sells planners, I will be the first to tell you, a planner will not make you less overwhelmed or more organized. There is no planner on the market that will do it unless you know how to use them. <laughs> So that's why I hate when I see these planners marketed as like life organizers and all that. I'm like, oh, dear God, this is not going to be good. So the first step we all have to decide is, do I want to be, do I want to leverage a paper planner or do I want to be fully digital? And so I always ask people to start off with first, where are you when you're making yes, no decisions about your time? Are you someone who's on the go a lot? Or do you work 10 hours a day in front of a huge computer monitor where if you were to open up your Google or whatever calendar, you can see all the information in there. Um, so I had a stint in my life where I was fully digital, but I worked 10 to 12 hours a day with three huge monitors. <laughs> like all my information was there. Now it's not, I work very little. So that is that is my key decision on, if you are on the go a lot, you, you are likely gonna need to leverage a paper planner if you are not at a, at a big screen. And why do I talk about this need for a big screen? Well, if you're trying to run your calendar from a, what, three by six inch mobile screen. If I go and look a month from now, like, oh, what does October look like? And I pull up October on my mobile phone, all I see are dots, right? I have no clue what that means. So that's step one is knowing, okay, paper versus digital. Now, most of us, even if you're paper, like I am, there's some leverage of digital I have mm -hmm. to use. I mean, mm -hmm. you and I booked this appointment through digital calendars, right? So mm -hmm. I actually just yesterday recorded a training on like how you do a hybrid where you've got both. Okay. And you don't need to duplicate everything in both places, but you need to pick the one place that's going to go all in with your details for the week. So like what, what shows up in my weekly planner, like all the information in my paper planner here, there's so much more in here than what's on my digital calendar. My digital calendar just has, basically it serves two purposes. One, to book appointments with other people mm -hmm. and two, to block all of the time that I don't want people to have appointments with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's kind of all that lives on my digital calendar. Now, when you're looking for a paper planner, um, you absolutely should avoid ones that are daily, meaning an entire spread per day, because what that's subtly doing for you is getting you back in that daily list making, make your list, repeat it all over the next day, right? That's not supporting a more strategic planning. The other thing that you want to have is on that weekly layout, you want to look for a planner that actually lists the hours of the day, not just a blank rectangle for Monday, a blank rectangle for Tuesday. Because what our planner needs to help us do is get realistic with how much time do I have available. If I just have a rectangle for Monday and I've written four things in there, those four things combined might take 30 minutes. They might take 10 hours. I don't know. I can't easily see that. Mm -hmm. So this is why I really encourage people, if you're going paper planner, get one that's a weekly layout yeah. where each day is a column with the times okay. next to it. Okay. So when I'm looking at my weekly planner, it's really interesting because actually tomorrow is my day where I have the most free time but I have more stuff for tomorrow, but it's all these things that are 10 or 15 minutes. So if I had written all of those in a blank rectangle, it would look like tomorrow was a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow I've got gobs mm -hmm. of open time on my calendar and I can see that. Yeah. So that's why okay. I really encourage that style of weekly planner. Yeah. So it's linking the time you're spending with each task in yeah, addition. So to yeah, a yeah. planner should should okay. start to tell you what you're doing and when you're doing it. It's like not that. a place to write a, to, a random to-do mm -hmm. list. Right. Um, now I do have, the other thing that I like to teach a lot with your planners is understanding um, the difference of what goes into your planner as an appointment versus what's just little tasks. Like even on my planner, there's a little spot at the bottom of each day to just jot down you okay. know, to do's. But for me, it's if it's something that's gonna take me five minutes or less, I don't care when it happens during the day. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen today and I do it tomorrow morning, so be it. 
that's going to go in as, as a little task. Like for instance, um, I need to, uh, tomorrow, I'm just looking at like one of the examples on my thing for tomorrow. I have a reminder as a task tomorrow to call the vet to order some more heart guard pills for my dog. A little take me 30 seconds. I'm not going to sit there and write in my calendar tomorrow at, from 9 to 9.02 a.m. I'm sitting down to call the vet. Like that's just ridiculous. But work that I know I need to focus and sit down and do that I might need 15, 30, 60 minutes for actually gets slotted at what time I'm planning on doing it. So I know I need to, you know, for work, I need to record two videos tomorrow. I don't want to write down record two videos because I know I would like to have an hour in my office quiet to do all the pieces and parts of that. Mm -hmm. So instead, my calendar is showing that tomorrow from 930 to 1030 in the morning, I'm sitting down and recording those two videos. So even if it's just an appointment with myself, the most important things, the things that take the time go in as appointments in my weekly plan. But the little things that are just a couple seconds. It's not the end of the world. If I don't call tomorrow to order the heart guard pills, I could call the next day. And that way it's very few. The most tasks I have on any given day this week is four of those small little things because mm-hmm. everything yeah. else is plugged in as an appointment in my plan. Yeah, And, then and there's you- white space to accommodate change and pivot. And what if it takes longer than I thought? And I was going to ask that, which is um, for, you know, uh, clients that you've worked with on using this or, you know, who you've talked to is part of this also a little bit of journey on them, which you now are well-versed in is how long it takes you to do stuff. Yeah. Right. And so my whole program, and we cover all of that. So it's, it's actually a DIY course that people go okay. through. And then once a month we have live calls, uh, where people can come ask questions, but part of learning the whole system, cause it is the system, the framework is the same for everybody but the inputs are uniquely yours, right? What's on your list? What are the realities of your life? How long does it take for you to do things? How much uncertainty is in your life? All of that's unique to everybody, which means the plan that you're gonna create is also uniquely yours, but we're all following the same system. And part of that is training on how do we estimate better? Uh, Because there's actual tools that you can learn to better understand how much time you need to do things. Um, So there are a lot of little uh, tricks and tools that kind of research tasks that we all get to do for ourselves to learn a little bit more about the realities of how we work to know how to then better plan our time. So let's talk about that. Tell us about your course. How many, you know, how many sessions is it? Like, what do people expect if they sign up for it? Yeah. So the program itself, it's a DIY and you get access to it forever. So last thing I want is to add more time stress. (laughs) Anyone going, you got the course, you got to get it all done in four (laughs) weeks. Heck no. Um, It is designed to be consumed in six weeks. I have people that consume it in six weeks. I have people that spend nine months consuming it because everybody's life is theirs. And that's why I don't want to put the time pressure on it. Uh, So it is broken down into step-by-step process. And I actually prevent people from working ahead so that you can't get too overwhelmed. So like when you first start, it's like, here's your step one. And next week, I will tell you what step two is so that you are not getting overwhelmed with information, right? Uh, And so it guides you through a process to help you create what I call your information repositories. So not only are you going to learn how to plan, but then you're going to learn how to store all of those things that are competing for your time so that you know you have the ability to easily prioritize, make good choices, establish the right boundaries, get estimates in place. So that when you master weekly planning, like I plan my whole week in 10 minutes or less because I've got all the supporting framework for that. Um, So it's all step-by-step videos. I do very short, specific trainings. I'm showing you exactly how to do it. And then every month I hold live Q&A calls and you get access to those forever. So I have some women who will show up after two years and they're like, hey, this new thing happened in life. I'm trying to figure out how to get into my planner. Here's here's what I'm struggling with. Um, So that way people know that they can get their questions answered as they go through it. And it's just been... It's really cool because we have women in this program who are single in their late 20s 
to uh, two women who recently joined in their 80s because they said they're just getting started on their next stage of life and they want to make the most of it wow. <laughs> and everything in between. So it makes for a really, a really cool community yeah. of women that between all of us, like been there, done that. And everybody has really great tips and, and support to offer. And we've hit now uh, that we know of students in um, over 15 countries. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's been awesome. And like you're saying, I mean, it's just showing like how universal this need is not only, you 100%. know, demographically for ages, but like globally as well. Yeah. And, you know, we have one gal, we have a couple gals that are full-time farmers. So, you know, their spin of what their challenges are of, okay, I've got to plan the weather because of the crops to a woman who's homeschooling eight kids to, you know, and every, so it's, again, the situation is very unique, but the fundamental challenges are all the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are so many great tips. One of the things I'm taking away right now is I do have an hourly planner, but I, I have things on my to-do list that take a long time. Yeah. And so I need to like carve out some time and, and actually put it in there. I love, I love that. And, um, um, I, I think that that's so good. And I, I like, I I think I was in a a place of just being very overwhelmed of having the little square and having too many things to do. And so it's like, my brain needs to see it all out. And, and that just helps me seeing those lines of hours and everything. Um, And and I I want to try your course because I struggle with anxiety so much. And I know it's because of time management. I I think one of the root causes is because I'm not really great at managing my time. And so I overwhelm myself very easily. Um, Well, and I've got a great, like for folks that are interested in seeing like, okay, what really is, what is everything that is part of this program? If you go to um, the website, theworklifeharmony.com, I've got a free training that kind of shares a couple time management tips and then fills you in on everything that is in the program. And you don't have to like wait to watch it. Just put in your email address. We'll send you the video right away. Oh, okay. Wait, you can watch it when it's, you can even hit pause if you need to step away and come back to it. Um, but it first is going to give you some time management tips, um, but then it's going to tell you everything that you need to know about the top program as well um, and really cover all the ins and outs of what's in there. And then you also have your website, megansumrell.com and then yes. on social media at Megan Sumrell. Yep. I'm, I'm at Megan Sumrell everywhere. So and a couple podcasts or yes. you have like the, uh, your mini series. I liked that. That was really cool. Oh, good. Um, good. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just... I am here to help as many women as possible. We've all got to to support each other through this for sure. Absolutely. And um, what what's the term I need to do? I didn't transfer. I didn't fully transfer responsibility. Transfer ownership. I yeah. didn't transfer Just ownership. delegate. Transfer ownership. That's right. I mean, that is, God, that is so powerful. That is so powerful. And I think so many of us are thinking that we're taking things off our plate and we aren't. Um, And so I just, I love how you speak to that mental load for us and have so many tips and strategies on how, you know, we can reduce the overwhelm and and have better balance and then live in more harmony. I love that. Oh, good. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been such a treat. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe so you can hear our latest episodes as soon as they drop. And if you love today's episode, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you.